This is Draco Malfoy and the Heir of Slytherin, part two of the Mirror of Isidiru series by Star Bridget. Chapter 14. Aragog. All students will return to their house common rooms by six o'clock in the evening. No student is to leave the dormitories after that time. You will be escorted to each lesson by a teacher. No student is to use the bathroom unaccompanied by a teacher. All further Quidditch training and matches are to be postponed. There will be no more evening activities. Severus finished reading from the parchment and rolled it up in silence. There were murmurs all around with Slytherins shoving each other and looking around, mainly at Draco. Are there any questions? Severus asked icily as unflappable as ever. Can we visit the hospital wing? Draco asked anxiously, and ignored the looks of annoyance and disgust he'd earned. It wasn't like they hadn't already seen his tear-swollen face. No, Severus said flatly, turning to go before one of the seventh years called out to him. Professor, why are we on lockdown? No one's going to go after us. They've been after all the other houses, but not Slytherin. We're safe, because no one here is a mudblood like, Shut your mouth! Draco yelled, before he knew what he was doing. And in an instant, a seventh year whose name Draco didn't know had Draco's wand to his throat. A moment later, Severus's hand was on his arm, lowering it. Children, enough! The seventh year looked furious at Severus for not punishing Draco, but scared enough of Draco as he ran back towards his dorms that Draco had to count that as a solitary win. The first person who said something to me, Draco told his fellow second years, will not have their tongue stuck to the roof of their mouth, but removed. And I'll warn you, I am skilful with several cutting spells and curses, but not exactly precise. There was a long silence, and then Theo returned with a notebook and wrote, Granger was attacked, wasn't she? Yes, Draco said tightly, and sat down on his bed with a thud and put his head in his hands. It really isn't you, is it? The air, Blaze said sounding disappointed but laughed at the look on Draco's face after he sat down beside him. Oh, come on, Draco. You know you aren't going to cast me for saying you were right. Visitors were indeed barred from the hospital wing. Draco found that out after facing off with an implacable Madame Pomfrey. She sent him away, and he was left trying to convince himself that if he used the imperious curse within the walls of Hogwarts, he was far too likely to be caught. And besides, he thought, as he stomped away with gritted teeth, could he even trust his wand to do it properly? He was wary after what had happened with the tracking charm. He hadn't ever forgotten whose wand it initially was, but he had come to trust it nonetheless, the way he had his unicorn hair wand, like an extension of his right arm. The more he read on tracking charms, the more he realised how fickle they could be, and the more things he found that he might have done wrong himself. It had probably been his own mistake, and it wasn't like any other wands worked for him anyway. Hogwarts was a pasture full of sheep, 
waiting for their shepherd to lead them to the slaughter. No one hopped out of Draco's way in the corridors any more, and no one cast worried glances at him in the great hall like they expected him to unleash monsters from the pitchers of pumpkin juice. He did get stares, but they were mainly ones that looked concerned and, yes, pitying. Draco didn't curse any of the people who looked at him that way. What was the point? He found some hope, though, in his immediate return to Ron and Potter's confidence, and the wild story they gave him of the scene they'd witnessed under the invisibility cloak at Hagrid's hut. They didn't even seem to blame him when they mentioned his father's role in arresting Hagrid and banishing Dumbledore. Instead, they just seemed to be mortified by their mistake, suspecting Draco and wishing fruitlessly that they could take it back. We should have listened to you, had become Ron's mantra along with, I'm sorry I was a bad friend. And most importantly, I understand if you'll never forgive us, but if we don't work together now, Hermione might not. Oh, I never will forgive you, get that part clear. But I'll help about the chamber, for Hermione's sake. You do need one brain to guide you about with Hermione gone. Draco drawled the first time and got neither annoyance nor laughs, only rueful smiles. They both had the grace not to mention the breakdown he'd had in the hospital wing either. Nothing could have welded them back together quicker, whatever fissures still lay underneath, than the loss of the girl who had brought them back together in the first place. Draco would have gone crawling back to Voldemort to get her back safe. As with the midnight duel last year, Draco had another apology letter from Potter to add to his collection. Dear Draco, I'm sorry I suspected you as the heir of Slytherin. I should have listened to you. Maybe if I had, Hermione wouldn't have been attacked. And that's on Ron and I, but mostly that's on me. I was always more convinced than him. So if you have to blame one of us, blame me. I understand why you were never willing to call me a friend. I didn't deserve it. If we're never friends now, I'll understand. You didn't deserve for us to doubt you after everything you've done for us. You were willing to give your life to save Ron's last year, even though your family called him a blood traitor. I should have known you don't believe the things that they believe. And I shouldn't have expected you to turn on your family for us. I don't want you to lose your family. I don't want you to be alone. I know you've been alone all this year. And it makes me sick thinking of you trying so hard to protect Hermione without our help. And we just thought you wanted to hurt her. I don't know why I kept thinking you were guilty. It seems so obvious now it wasn't you. I just always feel so off balance around you like I can't trust myself. My brain doesn't work. I never know what I think about you. I'm sorry I'm such an idiot about you all the time. Everyone acts like I'm some kind of hero because I'm the boy who lived, but you're the only one I've ever really wanted to think I'm a hero. And I can never impress you at all, and all I ever do is mess up around you and doubt you because I doubt myself, and I still can't work it all out in my head. I guess I just find you really, really intimidating, in every way. It's no excuse, I know, but I just want you to understand you're an incredible person. Maybe we never can be friends now, but I hope we can work together at least, until all this with the Air of Slytherin is over. 
Sincerely, Harry Potter. Information began to flow freely between them, as Potter told him the last words Dumbledore had said and asked if Draco could make any sense of them. I will only truly have left this school when none here are loyal to me. Potter recited. It sounded rather like a rallying cry for Dumbledore's army, Draco thought dryly. Help will always be given to those at Hogwarts who ask for it. What do you think he meant? I don't know, said Draco, that he expects you two to carry out his will here once he's gone, and maybe that there's another person here on his side who'll help you. Draco wondered briefly if that could be Severus, knowing of his secret loyalties, but Draco highly doubted that was how the blue loop had gone. Not that he knew. He would have been so much more useful right now if he had been friends with the Gryffindors the first time, instead of just celebrating Hermione's petrification with bad jokes to Vince and Greg. At least, Hagrid had the grace not to be mysterious, and had apparently told the Gryffindors to follow the spiders. Given that Ron's boggart in third year had supposedly been a giant spider, he couldn't be thrilled about that idea, but he seemed to embrace the task determinedly enough. Maybe Ron's boggart was a giant spider because of something that they were about to find. Draco considered giving the tracking charm another shot, with nothing to lose at this point. But neither he nor Ron or Potter, in the brief times they could catch a moment to talk, said they were seeing any spiders. Don't you think that's suspicious in itself? Draco hissed. What? Has Dumbledore's departure inspired a dangerous rash of secret spider parties? But all too soon Ron and Potter had to go away in a knot of Gryffindors and Draco in a knot of Slytherins. For a few bizarre moments, Draco actually found himself wishing he'd asked the hat to sort him into Gryffindor, if that ever really had been a possibility. It was very hard to meet now that Ron and Potter actually wanted to help. There was no time to talk about the chamber, and helping Hermione, let alone anything more fraught and emotional between them. They had to communicate mainly by notes, since they were expected to move about the castle in clumps grouped by house. Sometimes the notes Draco sent were only glorified complaints about how bored he was. It was devilishly hard to meet with Dobby too, which just made Draco lonelier. He missed Imuji to dictate to him. He would take out Potter's two apology letters and read them to himself alone when he would get too lonely. The only two times he managed to sneak away on his own outside the Slytherin dungeons were when he asked Dobby to look for spiders too. And then the second meeting, when Dobby informed him he couldn't find a single one in the castle. He had to admit he had pretty much given up hope, completely by the time Potter's pretty white snowy owl swooped down at dinner at the Slytherin table, to a world of stairs, dropping a letter that told him where the spiders were going. Draco spent a few very frightening minutes, hiding in the shadows of the entrance hall, trying not to be noticed before Ron and Potter made their appearance and collected him under the invisibility cloak. "'Where have you been?' he hissed. "'I wasn't invisible!' Fred and George kept wanting to play Exploding Snap, Ron explained, only to cry out. "'Ron, what's wrong? Did something bite you?' Potter gasped on high alert. 
No, Draco drawled. I just stomped on his foot. Ron whined until he got scared, and then he was quizzing Draco about whether there were werewolves in the Forbidden Forest. Not till next year, Ron. Don't worry, Draco lied. I know a charm to drive off werewolves. Course, said Ron abruptly, as they strode across the black grass. We might get to the forest and find there's nothing to follow. Those spiders might not have been going there at all. I know it looked like they were moving in that sort of general direction, but... His voice tailed away, hopefully, and Draco stamped on his foot again. Ow! What was that for? This lead had better turn out, Draco hissed, because we're all out of other ideas. So, Salazar, help me. If you even think of trying to wimp out of this, Ron... I will personally find the biggest giant spider on the planet and feed you to it myself. They reached Hagrid's house, which had the eerie, pathetic look of the shell of a building half burnt down. When Potter pushed the door open, Fang was so excited to see him he made a prodigious racket. Draco watched Ron and Potter like they had gone mad as they hastily fed Fang treacle fudge from a tin on the mantelpiece until he realised it glued Fang's teeth together. Just another thing Draco had missed, he supposed, in his year out in the cold. Potter left the invisibility cloak on Hagrid's table. He said there would be no need for it in the pitch-dark forest, though Draco complained they should carry it anyway. He was outvoted. Come on, Fang, we're going for a walk, said Potter, patting his leg, and Fang bounded happily out of the house behind them dashed to the edge of the forest and lifted his leg against a large sycamore tree. Potter took out his wand, murmured, Lumos, and just enough light appeared to let them watch the path for signs of spiders. Ron followed suit, as did Draco, although Draco's attempt flared up as bright as a Lumos Maxima before he could concentrate and make it shrink. I didn't mean to, Draco muttered as Potter and Ron turned back around, squinting in pain. You don't know how hard it is with this bloody wand not to just explode everything in my path. Potter saved Draco from accidentally saying too much, as he tapped them both on the shoulder, pointing at the grass. Two solitary spiders were hurrying away from the wand light into the shade of the trees, and Draco would have been so much more scared if he was not proceeding on the presumption that, like the trip to the Forbidden Forest in first year, Ron and Potter had made pretty much the same trip as this in the course of the Blue Loop, and survived it. Okay, Ron sighed, with a nervous look at Draco when he let the reluctance in his short voice show. No, really, it's okay, I'm ready. Let's go. So... With Fang scampering around them, sniffing tree roots and leaves, they entered the forest. By the glow of their wands, they followed the steady trickle of spiders moving along the path. They walked for about twenty minutes, not speaking, listening hard for noises other than breaking twigs and rustling leaves. Then, when the trees had become thicker than ever, so that the stars overhead were no longer visible, and their wands shone alone in the sea of dark, they saw their spider guides leaving the path. Draco looked to Potter for a cue how to proceed. He was the hero here, but he seemed unsure. Then he had jumped backwards and, 
Much to Ron's displeasure, he was the one to stomp on Ron's foot now. Sorry, Potter gasped. I think it was just Fang's nose. Next, you'll be taking your cue from Longbottom, Draco drawled, and shooting your wand off at scary trees. Not being a coward, Potter protested mortified. It was just a mistake. Harry, Ron said wearily. Draco, come on. We've come this far, haven't we? We might as well see it through. If you can stop arguing long enough to look for the spiders. So they followed the darting shadows of the spiders into the trees. And this was beginning to feel disconcertingly close to manual labour to Draco, as he nearly tripped over tree roots and stumps. Draco had never imagined being heroic involved so much outdoor work. Did I really have to come along with you two blunderbusses for this? Draco hissed to Potter. Surely even your feeble minds could have handled... You don't have to. Shut up, you two, Ron growled. Now I know how Hermione feels. The name sounding in the pitch black air was a reminder that sent a shiver through Draco. They walked for long enough that even Draco's Quidditch-trained legs began to ache, and it was only the fear of Potter losing the trail of spiders that kept him from complaining. Even when his expensive robes tore on a low-hanging branch, and the looks Potter and Ron gave him at his indignant shriek were cruelly unsympathetic. Finally, Ron indicated with a gesture that they were moving downhill. Then Fang suddenly let loose a great echoing bark, making them all jump like they'd had Tarantalegra cast on them. What? said Ron loudly, gripping onto Potter so hard Draco would have laughed at him if he hadn't happened to be doing the same to Potter's other arm. There's something moving over there, Potter breathed. Listen, sounds like something big. They listened. Some distance to their right, the something big was snapping branches as it carved a path through the trees. Oh no, said Ron. Oh no, oh no, oh shut up, said Potter frantically. It'll hear you. Hear me, said Ron in an unnaturally high voice. It's already heard, Fang! Draco considered. If you want, Potter, I could cast Langlock on Ron. What do you think it's doing? said Potter. Draco bet it was a giant spider. Probably getting ready to pounce, said Ron. They waited, shivering, and Draco felt smug at being the least scared one. Even though he had foreknowledge, he thought meant he could presume their safety. If he didn't mess things up, that was. Him and all of his dark curses. Do you think it's gone? Potter whispered. I doubt it, Potter. They waited and waited, and Draco's hand tightened on his wand as the sound came closer. Draco only saw Ron's face contort in terror before he was swept up into the air and set hanging there. He looked over, and the same had happened to Ron and Potter, and he told himself everything was still fine. He still had his wand, until he began to realise how hairy the limbs that held him were. Fang's yowling became fainter, as the three of them were pulled through the trees, and Draco closed his eyes, trying to decide whether he should cast a curse, if this was what had happened before, or if he had just messed everything up by being there, and this was the end of Harry Potter.
Draco told himself it was Slytherin calculation rather than cowardice that kept him from trying to fight. After all, he still had his wand, and as long as that was true, best to hold tight and wait to see if this how this turned out. Maybe the spiders were friendly, if overzealous. Hagrid wouldn't have sent them unless it was safe, he told himself. Unless Hagrid was evil, in which case Draco was very cross to have given him Imuji. Yes, it was a spider carrying them, and Draco felt his vision begin to dim as he was tossed to and fro in the darkness. He pulled his wand to his chest and held it there to keep it safe, and felt the crude rocking motion almost lull him to sleep over the sound of Fang's panicked roars. And then his half-sleep was broken by moonlight, as they reached some sort of break in the trees that looked artificially cleared. That made it all too easy to see what the moonlight revealed, that perhaps Draco had not been right to be so sarcastic in forecasting a spider party after all. At the very least, this had to count as some kind of spider convention. Why had the Dark Lord never tried to get these beasts to fight for him? Draco would have liked to see the defenders of Hogwarts trying to do battle with these hippogriff-sized aberrations of nature, with their eight eyes and eight legs, an infinite capacity to terrify Ron Weasley. He smiled to himself, somewhere between trust in the blue loop and serene acceptance of his own impending death, as he imagined Dobby leading an army of house elves out of the kitchens to do battle with the convention of spiders. There was a web at the centre of the hollow, towards which they all seemed to be being carried. That was not very encouraging. Draco remembered how the devil's snare under the trapdoor had trapped his wand hand and made it useless even with his wand out and drawn. Best not to let that happen again. These deranged fairy beasts seemed excited by their quarry, clicking their pincers like their leader had brought them back a tasty meal. Draco wondered if Ron and Potter would prefer being mercy-killed by Draco rather than eaten alive by spiders. And then his face hit the ground, as the spider let him go, the others falling beside him. Draco fell with a talon wand pressed right to his chest, but when he rolled over, he was glad to see it undamaged. Funny how the talon actually looked a bit like the spider's pincers in the right angle of the moonlight. Fang wasn't howling anymore, but cowering silently on the spot. Ron's mouth was similarly stretched wide in a kind of silent scream, those big light eyes ready to pop out of their sockets. Potter, though, was looking around them already with an alert intelligence, and his gaze was what drew Draco's attention to the beast calling out, Aragog! Aragog! Oh, Draco sighed, and let his head fall happily to the grass below him as he began to laugh. Don't worry, it's Hagrid's giant spider. Ron and Harry didn't seem to hear him spellbound as from the middle of the misty domed web a spider the size of a small elephant emerged very slowly there was grey in the black of his body and legs and each of the eyes on his ugly pincered head was milky white he was blind what is it he said clicking his pincers rapidly men clicked the spider who had caught potter is it Hagrid? said Aragog, moving closer, his eight milky eyes wandering vaguely. Strangers, 
clicked the spider who had brought Ron. Kill them, clicked Aragog fretfully. I was sleeping. We're friends of Hagrid's, Potter shouted, and his bravery made Draco brave. Yeah, he told us about you, Draco called out. Aragog, he said you were a nice spider. That wasn't even a lie, though from the looks Ron and Potter turned to give him in the moonlight, it looked like they rather suspected it to be one. Click, 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 went the pincers of the spiders all around the hollow. Aragog paused. Hagrid has never sent men into our hollow before, he said slowly. He told me about you, Draco called. About what happened fifty years ago with the Chamber of Secrets. Hagrid couldn't have told us that, Ron quietly grumbled. Hagrid's in trouble, said Potter, cutting right to the heart of it. That's why we've come. In trouble, said the aged spider, and Harry thought he could hear concern beneath the clicking pincers. But why has he sent you? Draco couldn't believe how calm and almost commanding Potter seemed, even through his obvious fear, looking up at that insane beast, green eyes almost iridescent in the moonlight. They think, up at the school, that Hagrid's been setting a... a something on the students. They've taken him to Azkaban. Azkaban is awful, would not recommend, Draco called out helpfully before a glare from Ron and Potter made him shut his mouth. Aragog clicked his pincers furiously, and all around the hollow the sound was echoed by the crowd of spiders like applause. Draco liked to think it was for his excellent judgment of Azkaban. But that was years ago, said Aragog fretfully. Years and years ago. I remember it well. That's why they made him leave the school. They believed that I was the monster that dwells in what they call the Chamber of Secrets. They thought that Hagrid had opened the chamber and set me free. Did you know about this? Ron hissed at Draco, who nodded. Why did he tell you and not us? I don't know, Draco whispered back. Because I asked. And you, you didn't come from the Chamber of Secrets, Potter stammered. Perhaps not so calm now. Overall, though, Potter was doing an excellent job of treating with the spiders. Best to leave him to it. Aye, said Aragog, clicking angrily. I was not born in the castle. I come from a distant land. A traveller gave me to Hagrid when I was an egg. Really, Hagrid? Norbert was only your sloppy second. Hagrid was only a boy, but he cared for me hidden in a cupboard in the castle, feeding me scraps from the table. Hagrid is my good friend and a good man. When I was discovered and blamed for the death of a girl, he protected me. I have lived here in the forest ever since, where Hagrid still visits me. He even found me a wife, Mosarg, and you see how our family has grown all through Hagrid's goodness. So you never, never attacked anyone? Potter called. Never croaked the old spider. It would have been my instinct, but from respect of Hagrid I have never harmed a human. The body of the girl who was killed was discovered in a bathroom. I never saw any part of the castle but the cupboard in which I grew up, our kind like the dark and the quiet.
But then, do you know what did kill that girl? said Potter. Because whatever it is, it's back and attacking people again. And the spiders did not seem to like the sound of that, making all sorts of deranged clicking sounds and rustling about, and it chilled Draco's blood when he realised they're scared. What would scare these abominations, maybe? A basilisk. The thing that lives in the castle is an ancient creature we spiders fear above all others. Well do I remember how I pleaded with Hagrid to let me go when I sensed the beast moving about the school. What is it? said Potter urgently, and Draco opened his mouth to say it, not to brag, but he thought it could be a basilisk. Not because he knew the future or anything, just because he was exceptionally intelligent. Clicking and rustling went up around them. These spiders seriously needed to chill. We do not speak of it, said Aragog fiercely. We do not name it. What was that thing? Voldemort light? I never even told Hagrid the name of that dread creature, though he asked me many times. Aragog seemed to be tired of talking. He was backing slowly into his domed web but his fellow spiders continued to inch slowly towards them. "'We'll just go, then!' Potter called desperately to Aragog, and Draco's hand became alert around his wand again. "'Go?' said Aragog slowly. "'I think not.' "'But, but, my sons and daughters do not harm Hagrid on my command, but I cannot deny them fresh meat when it wanders so willingly into our... My father is one of the governors of Hogwarts, Draco shrieked desperately. Sonorous, he cast on himself. My father is one of the governors of Hogwarts, he yelled again, and he has a tracking charm on me, Avon Seaguium. He's always monitoring me. There's a map for it. And if I'm hurt or die, it'll show him where. He knows where you all are, and he'll purge the forest. Draco had never thought he would resort to this again. But here it was, that old retort of his back again. Wait till my father hears about this. At least, that seemed to hold Aragog's tongue for a moment. Listen. Draco called. I'm sure it would be like super fun to eat us. But you can't think short term. I know it's tempting, but you have to think long term, Aragog. I'm a very important person. Way too important and monitored to kill. Spare the white one, Aragog said, and kill. Imperio! Draco hissed. Nothing happened at first, but then he closed his eyes and imagined drawing deep from inside the wand. A shower of darkness exploded out, occluding the entire clearing and blocking out the moonlight. When it lifted, he could watch the light go dazed in the creature's great many eyes before him, just like the spiders in Malfoy Manor. Draco closed his eyes, feeling the tingling warmth go down his arm with the wand feeling only an extension like it was becoming part of his body, with a great set of warm marionette strings extending over the spider. Aragog, Draco said, tell your children to carry us back to the edge of the forbidden forest closest to Hogwarts. And now... 
Draco could feel Aragog's will straining at him, furious at first, but then, just as Madame Rosmatis had, it fell into the wonderful warmth and surrendered. Pick up the children, Aragog ordered, and carry them back to the edge of the Forbidden Forest closest to Hogwarts now. The spiders might have been sceptical, to say the least, or fearful their leader had been enchanted. They moved towards the three of them anyway, though that still might have been with the intention of eating them. Make sure they do what you say, Draco thought rather than spoke. A surge of words through that warm, flickering connection, and felt Aragog's mind twist in response, like Draco's fingers were rifling stickily through it. And then he remembered Fang and thought hard, and make them take the dog with us. You are my children, Aragog boomed and clicked over all of them. You are all my progeny. I say these humans and this dog are not to be harmed. Obey me. And then a solid wall of spiders was upon them, but they were being lifted up again, no less unceremoniously than last time, and carried in the opposite direction they had come. Draco clutched the talon wand to his chest, whispering, Thank you, thank you, thank you, as the world swayed and dipped and lifted around him. He had to only trust now that Ron and Potter were being taken in the same direction. After forever in that haze, the trees thinned. When Draco's head bounced backwards, he could see the sky. Some time later, Draco's legs exploded in pain, pinpricks spreading everywhere they had fallen asleep as his body hit the ground dropped right at the edge of the Forbidden Forest as told, and Ron and Potter and even the dog were being dropped with him. The spiders bowed before leaving, clicking on their way off that slowly echoed, fading until it had disappeared into the trees. Draco! Potter gasped, calling over to him immediately. Draco, are you all right? His hands frantically pushed Draco's hair from his eyes. I'm alive too, if anyone's asking. Ron said crankily from their side, where his face was being licked by Fang. It took them some time to get their bodies working again, and Draco had to be supported by Potter at first as they began to trudge back towards Hagrid's hut. What did you do? Ron asked in amazement. That was incredible, Draco. Was that like Harry with the snake? It sounded like English, but can you talk some kind of spider language? The elation Draco had felt at their salvation fell away. I'll tell you later. Potter went back into Hagrid's cabin to get the invisibility cloak. Fang was trembling under a blanket in his basket. The next thing Draco knew, he looked over and Ron was being violently sick in the pumpkin patch. Potter came over looking concerned, but he didn't seem to be dying, just a little traumatised. Follow the spiders said Ron weakly, wiping his mouth on his sleeve. I'll never forgive Hagrid. We're lucky to be alive. If Draco hadn't been able to talk to spiders. I bet he thought Aragog wouldn't hurt friends of his, said Potter, and Draco wasted one of his epic Severus-length eye rolls up at the moon. That's exactly Hagrid's problem, said Ron, thumping the wall of the cabin. He always thinks monsters aren't as bad as they're made out, and look where it's got him. A cell in Azkaban. He was shivering uncontrollably now. What was the point of sending us in there? What have we found out I'd like to know? But Hagrid never opened the Chamber of Secrets, said Potter, 
throwing the cloak over them and prodding Ron in the arm to make him walk. He was innocent. Ron gave a loud snort at the same time as Draco. It crossed Draco's mind that the spiders could have been lying for Hagrid, but given how, for all intents and purposes, Aragog had seemed to intend them eaten in seconds afterwards anyway, there wouldn't have been much of a point. When Draco saw the castle coming closer, looming above them like a mixed figure of sanctuary and judgment, he stopped walking. Wait, listen, listen to me, Ron Potter. You can't tell anyone what I did out there, all right? Even Hermione, when she wakes up. And the curse I used, did you hear? Even if they hadn't heard the incantation, they'd learn about the unforgivable curses from Moody and figure it out eventually. It was imperious curse, all right. It's one of the unforgivables. I would go to Azkaban if people knew I used it, so you can't tell anyone. <gasps> that was dark magic, Potter gasped. Right, Ron breathed. That was the imperious curse. Draco, how did you know how to do that? Have you ever done it before? No, no! Draco lied with great energy, but it was all I could think of. You two owe me a life debt now, if you hadn't noticed, so you'd better not. And you owe me more. You didn't listen to me all year when I told you, and I told you I wasn't the heir. So if you tell on me about the Imperius, you're truly the most ungrateful Gryffindor sods that ever... Draco, Potter said firmly, it doesn't matter what spell you used. We're alive. Don't worry. We wouldn't tell on you no matter what, OK? Draco looked at Ron, and he didn't hesitate before nodding. Draco seemed to have taken the imperious situation as far more serious than they had. Yeah, mate, Ron said. Save me from spiders with dark magic any time. Thank you for listening to this chapter of Draco Malfoy and the Heir of Slytherin. Part 2 of the Mirror of Isidiru series by Star Bridget.